Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to welcome on Be Brave at Work today, Dr. Eric Holzapple. Eric is a successful developer and entrepreneur who has used mindfulness to transform his life and business and help others do the same. His book, Profit with Presence, shows that mindfulness and presence can transform business culture, improve focus and communication, while reducing distractions and stress. Eric has a PhD in economics, has been a real estate CEO and developer for nearly 40 years, lectured real estate at Colorado State University for 20 years, and has practiced yoga and meditation for 30 years. Eric has a unique perspective on how merging business and mindfulness can be a catalyst in changing lives. He is the founder of Living in the Gap, and his popular workshops teach CEOs and professionals a different way to operate mindfully while improving the bottom line. Eric, welcome to Be Brave at Work. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. I gave folks somewhat of a lighter overview of your background, and I think they'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're doing today and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace. Yeah. Today, my primary focus is I'm still involved in real estate on the investment level mostly, but mostly what I do today is run a mindful leadership program called Living in the Gap Mindful Leadership where we train professionals how to be brave at work, how to be more mindful, uh, reduce their stress, and you know increase productivity at the same time. Well, I think our listeners would love to hear your definition of mindful leadership. This might be a newer or a fresher perspective for people, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and potential definitions of mindful leadership. You know, there's $24 explanations of mindfulness, you know, ability to pay attention on purpose, non-judgmentally, and it's all true, but I boil it down to one word, focus. I think mindfulness is focus. Can I focus on what's in front of me, what I intend to focus on in the moment, versus all the various distractions that are out there from, you know, from social media to advertisement to the government to all the different things that are that are trying to pull at our attention, can I come back and focus on what's in, what I've said is important to me? I think a lot of people who are attempting to be brave at work would think focus is an important characteristic of a conversation, for example, between yourself and the boss. 
on a topic that might be hard for you to talk about or hard for your boss to listen. I'm curious, Eric, can you share two or three examples of, you know, how to be focused? So how can you ensure that you aren't distracted and that your presence is appropriate for the conversation that you want to have? Well, it takes intention overall. I mean, it has to be a, a something that you intend to do. I think that's most important. I also find a practice of one kind or another uh, is helpful because we've spent our lifetime, most of us, I'm not going to assume anybody out there who spent their life the way I have, but spent a lifetime working on not being present, on being, you know, tied up in the tyranny of thought in my head and the things in pull. So, I find a practice of some kind, it can be, I mean, time in nature can be really good. Most of us in a busy professional world don't get enough of that anymore. So, you know, meditation can be a great practice for that, where we're just practicing on something like focusing on our breath. And then I take that practice and I say, okay, I'm going to focus on the person I'm with or the thing that I'm doing, the time. So, and the key part of the practice is noticing when we're present or focused and then when we're not. Because even on my best days, I get lost up in my head again with what's going on in my thought and I lose it. So i got to keep constantly bringing myself back again. So it's intention and some practice, I find. Well, and I would think for people who are attempting to be brave at work, it's not only about the other person, but yourself as well. So if you're having a tough day or you're finding yourself distracted by some things that might be happening professionally or personally, it might not be the right day to have a brave conversation because your attempt to be focused and be intentional may be harder, right? And you might not come across or impact the other person in the way that you'd like. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I also find that if I'm being present and real, that I, I usually find that I can say most anything. I mean, if I'm trying to be strategic and manipulative or, or, you know, and drive to a certain, you know, result, that's especially if it's a selfish result, then I have to be really careful about what I say and how I say it and where. But, you know, and, and also I think it's, it's important to have someone one-on-one -on -one if we're going to have a hard conversation, not to embarrass somebody in front of someone else. But I find if I'm being real and being present, that I can usually say what's on my mind, and it usually works. You know, it, it usually lands. Uh, it's when I'm really trying to manipulate somehow that I have to be careful, personally, I find. Well, we talk in the past on this podcast that one of the key behaviors associated with being brave at work is to operate under the premise that you're helping the other person. If you're looking to judge or belittle or embarrass, it's not going to work and it's not going to be an effective conversation. And I'm not suggesting you fake it, but uh, you have to go in under the belief that what you want to say, even if it's hard to say or hard for that person to hear, is intended to help them, right? Because once they get into it, once they hear you, and once you start talking about it, if they believe you're trying to help them, their likelihood for participating is greater than again, if you're trying to insult or, or belittle them. And genuineness is something that people can smell. If you're being genuine, you know, uh, I think people can tell that. So a, a, a genuine, heartfelt conversation usually lands. And, and one thing I find that mindfulness gives permission to do is really care about the people you work with as people. 
not just as a means to get something produced or a means to sell something or a means to something else, but as people that matter, just like, you know, you and I matter. And, and yeah, we need things done, <laughs> but they're people we're talking to. And I'm wondering, Eric, from either your own experience, if you were looking to have a conversation that feels like it might take bravery to have to do or that you anticipate being a difficult conversation. Again, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm just wondering, are there one or two suggestions or ideas that you could share with people to ensure that you are coming across genuinely and authentically? This is one of the reasons why people avoid these conversations, because they are either fearful that they don't know how to say it, and they're going to come across like I'm hitting you across the forehead with a two by four, or they're afraid how the person's going to receive it. And if they don't think the person's going to receive it well, their likelihood for saying it is going to be diminished. So I agree with you that authenticity, genuineness, helpfulness is a key aspect. But what are some ways that I can ensure that people feel that way when I'm talking with them? I, I would take a few centering breaths, perhaps take a little walk without my phone for five or 10 minutes to miss to make sure that I'm not, don't have a lot of other things on my mind that I can be focused on that thing. I'd also be, you know, cognizant of the timing for the other person as much as I can know what's going on and maybe even ask permission, you know, is this, is this a good time to talk? And to make sure it's a, it is a good time for them that they don't have something big else going on that day that would not enable them to focus. I think, again, privacy is important, both in, in a room and also that the person doesn't feel like, you know, a lot of other people know that you're having a, a, a serious conversation with them. Normally, I find people are relieved from having a conversation that it's usually something that they know about. It's not usually a huge surprise. If it is, you know, then it's even more important to have the conversation. But oftentimes people are really relieved by it. That, that uh, oh, you know, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> I tell clients that all the time, that if they want to have a difficult conversation with somebody, especially about performance, uh, I'd be shocked that the other person wasn't aware of it to some degree, right? I mean, if you're surprising them, to me, that's a whole nother series of issues as to why they would be surprised. What are they missing? And is that a behavioral or skill set opportunity to talk about? But, you know, in most cases, unless the person wants to just deny it because they don't want you to think that they know that it's an issue, uh, they're aware of it, right? And it feels good to get it out. So I love three of your ideas. One is take a 10-minute walk and, you know, without your iPhone or other distractions, and just think about the conversation that you're about to have, right? And you can eliminate all these other distractions and ideas and challenges you might be having to ensure that you're really focused on this particular topic. I love the idea of permission, right? We think because I have something to say to you that now's the right moment, and it may not be, right? You might be distracted. You might have 50 things going on. Maybe the CEO just called you with a problem, and you know I don't have time to talk right now, and I shouldn't just walk in and say, Eric, I need to talk with you right now and sit down. I want you to listen to me, right? You want to ask, hey, I want to share with you something that may be hard for me to say or hard for you to hear is now a good time. And they might say, wow, I'm really interested in what that might be, but can we do it at two o'clock because, you know, I can't do it right now. And then, of course, privacy, right? This idea of uh, ensuring that it is just the two of you focused on what it is you want to talk about and they're not being distracted or 
impacted by other people around them. Sometimes that means doing out of the office too. You know, sometimes that means going for a lunch or a cup of coffee or something and getting out of the office. Yeah, be creative, right? It's not like you only have to use the conference room or your office or your boss's office. And I'm also a big fan of physical presence and seating. Uh, in most of the offices I had in my professional career, I always had a table away from my desk, and that's where I always sat because it kept people eye to eye, right? There's something about a desk that makes people feel like it's you against me or a power shift. The person sitting behind the desk is potentially more in charge than the person sitting across. So, you know, finding a place. Sometimes it's good to be in neutral territory, neutral not territory. like. Yeah. Absolutely. Hierarchical situation. Yeah. So this sounds like an area where you do a lot of work, Eric. And I'm just wondering if you could share maybe a little bit about, you know, where you see and what you work on with clients that bring mindfulness to business, right? Because a lot of people might think mindfulness is a little softer or there may not be a place in corporate America for, you know, these types of behaviors. I'm not suggesting that's accurate, but hard nose, you know, uh, uh, knows in the books types business. So, you know, where do you work and what kind of work do you do as it brings these two important topics together? Well, first of all, it is a personal practice, right? But I say my big thing is that it isn't have to be left at the fringes of your life. Particularly if you if you define it as primarily as focus. I say, you know, people say woo-woo. I say woo-woo is all the other stuff that's going on. Focus is not woo-woo. All the other distractions that I have going on that are pulling me here and there. And now, you know, I'm in a meeting and I got my phone going off all the time and I can't really pay attention because I'm checking my text messages. And I'm, you know, that's woo woo. You know, focus is, is not woo woo. But the other thing I think that's important for people to get started is to know how private it can be. Uh, that, you know, we're talking about things like following our breath. Nobody knows that you're following your breath. <laughs> you know, that is just, just a private practice that allows me to be centered and in, in, in the moment. So it doesn't have to be something that, uh, you know, I'm announcing, oh, I'm doing this wonderful mindfulness practice. No, the best and the best thing is just to let people notice that you're, you're present. And, you know, that is what uh, makes a difference and what may have somebody listen to you. So, I think the practice is is uh, is is simple as far as uh, starting to be present and aware, and then getting really intentional on what you want from each day and each moment of your life, and focusing on that, and then to get really clear on priorities. I also find, you know, uh, like I I do my practice in the morning. Because I want to know I have the right mindset for whatever comes that day. And I'm not under any illusions anymore that I do think I do know what's going to come. Because I don't know when that fire is going to come or that hurricane or the the Internet goes down or the stock market crash. I really don't know. And I want to have the right mindset. So whatever comes at me, I can turn that in a more positive mode uh, and be the best I can be at that. And so having a good line on prioritization, the other thing I think it's important and people think this may be weird, but having my family taken care of first allows me to focus at work. I hate going down the hallway and seeing people on Facebook and, you know, social media and their texts and everything because they haven't really handled their personal items and they're half at work. 
you know, they're there, but yet they're full of distraction. So I say, and it may be the night before morning, depending on what your thing is, but to make sure my family and friends have what they need for the day. And when I'm at work, I want to really be at work. And when I'm focused, I move things. You know, when I'm when I show up with an intention and a focus and a presence, it it's amazing how efficient that you are. So, uh, and the other thing I think that's really important as part of mindfulness is community service. But I only do that after my work's done. You know, I make sure I prioritize and I get my work done. So I can have the greatest job in the world. If my family's a mess, it's not going to matter. And I could be out saving the world, but if I lose my job or if I got a family that's a mess, I'm not going to be much help for anybody. So I think prioritization of, of my day is, is really important and part of that focus as well. Well, I love the word focus. And a lot of people might think focus is kind of this innate, uh, invisible thing. But in reality, I think it's very tangible, right? You can tell at a meeting somebody who's really focused on what we're talking about, the ideas, the suggestions, recommendations, other alternatives, risks, whatever, and somebody who's unfocused, right? Because they're looking at their laptop or their cell phone. Uh, someone passes in the hallway and they turn around to look to see who it is, right? So it sounds as though a lot of the work that you do with clients is to help them figure out ways to be focused in the moment, right? Whether it's a meeting or a conversation or a project, how do you focus and ensure that this is going to unfold in the ways that you would want. Exactly. And, and to know your prioritize, to know your priorities. And so I, you know, to get really flat with yourself on what your priorities in your life are. And I think for our listeners, recognizing that focus is an important part of being brave at work, that if you need to have a conversation with your boss, that you are very focused on that conversation at that moment. We use the word presence, right? When you're in the conversation, so you're not distracted and, the uh, image that you're projecting or you that m you might even say is, I am all here for you at this moment, right? I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not worrying about anything else. I want to share with you something that I think that you should know. And we're here to talk about that. And I think, again, because it's so important that the listener is participative, they're more likely to be that way if they know that you're focused, right, on it. If they Right. If they don't think you're focused, then they're not going to be focused. Right. It's, yeah, it's mirror neurons. Mirror neurons. You know, that's that's your that's you get what you you get back what you give out. So your organization is called Living in the Gap. And I'm just curious. My last question, you know, what is the gap? What is it that you're looking to help people learn that they're living in? Yeah. You know, we have some six thousand thoughts a day and the gap is that little space, you know, when one thought stops before another one starts. I find that joy and happiness happy and, and, and really innovation and creativity happen in those gaps and that stress and anxiety are in the thoughts. So we just work on really knowing the difference, you know, when we're in our thoughts and when we're in presence or in when we're we're alert and, and focused to know those differences. So living in the gap is just paying attention to that, knowing when we're present and when we're not. On my best days, I go away. On my best days, I get lost in thought, you know, but I can keep bringing myself back again. I say it's like training a puppy. I just keep coming back again in the present moment, you know, for generally bring myself back and back and back. Well, it sounds as though that uh, the practice that you have developed and are bringing forth to the world is highly effective, Eric. So thank you so much for being a guest on Be Brave at Work. And if folks want to 
find out more about your organization or you, how can they do that? Best is our website, Living in the Gap, spelled out, livinginthegap.org. It's a nonprofit. You can sign up for a, you know, a monthly newsletter that we have. Our programs are on there. There's free resources, a 21-day introduction of mindfulness, book lists, a lot of different free resources on there. Also, information on my upcoming book, Profit with Presence, The 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership is there. Anything you need to know, if you want to contact me or us, it's there. Just reach out. Fantastic. Eric, thank you so much for being a guest on Be Brave at Work. Thanks for having me, Ed. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.